story so good, I kind of want Molly to keep telling the story. Ah, did you notice? The season is changing. I got to tell you, I am so anxious for cooler temperatures to come, showers to fall. Remember Friday? That was an amazing day. This week, because I've been checking like on the hour, we're going to experience our first cold front. We're, believe it or not, and do believe it because together we need to believe this needs to come into being. Uh, we're going to have a high in the 70s after a low in the 50s. I mean, doesn't that sound refreshing? I mean, just kind of take a deep breath. Oh. I think our 100 degree days are over. They might be a little bit spotty, but I think it's... Well, as I'm anticipating the change in seasons, I'm also anticipating the change in our pandemic season. I keep watching the positivity rate in uh, Texas dropping. We're down to 12.3%. It was down to 7.8% in San Antonio last week. Comal County is at 11.2%. All of these positivity rates are, are tending to, to trend down and down is the direction for change so I know that change is coming it's slow but it's sure so let's keep praying and let's keep practicing what we've been asked to do for the well-being of our neighbors wash our hands keep our masks up distance when we need to and as that that change is coming I want you to know I also believe that change is knocking on the front door of the church. This COVID season has given most of us plenty of time to evaluate who, who are we and what are we doing as a church community. We're not going to return to what we were. There's change coming. And so what I want to do is I want to do the best that I can to prepare our community for the change. There will be surprises. Change always has surprise. Some of us love change. Others of us detest change. Uh, but I'll do my best. Uh, and I know our leadership team will do the same. We'll do our very best to try to minimize surprise and forewarn our community about change. So today I'm going I'm to start with the two what seem to be the most obvious changes coming our way. Uh, our community needs to change in the way that we make disciples and the way that we meet in small groups. What I want to start with this morning is disciple making. In the book, Contagious Disciple Making, which I would encourage all of us to read, the authors ask a very penetrating question. How do we help the millions of lost people on the planet who will never step foot inside the doors of existing churches, fall in love with Jesus. Just so that you hear that, I'm going I'm to say it again. How do we help the millions of lost people on this planet who will never step foot inside the doors of existing churches, fall in love with Jesus? Great question. <laughs> People all around us 
have suffered in isolation from this pandemic. Many have zero to little connection to community. I'm seeing article after article expressing the hunger for connection. People feel alone. There remains many unanswered questions about health, education, employment, finances, which add insecurity with aloneness. And then sadly, in addition to aloneness and insecurity, is the stability, instability of our current uh, political situation. I, I think that alone, insecure, and fearful define the state of lostness that thousands near us are experiencing. So making the question a little bit more pointed, how do we, as a community of people following Jesus, how do we help the thousands of lost people who, who are near us, who are unlikely to step through the front door of our church building, fall in love with Jesus so that he can care for our neighbors in their aloneness, in their insecurity, and in their fears. We cannot continue to do what we used to do in hopes of helping our neighbors into relationship with Jesus into connection with the community of followers of Jesus. We have relied on our particular brand of Christianity to draw people through our doors. We're all familiar with the brands. I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's too many to mention, so I'll just name some of the biggies. There's the Baptist brand. There's the Methodist brand. There's the Presbyterian brand. There's the Bible church brand. You can, we could keep going on and on and on. All these brands of Christianity that we've hoped that people would recognize, be drawn to, come through the doors. And also, we can't leave out, there is a vineyard brand as well. Now, thinking about those brands and the hopes that we've had that people would walk through our door, listen to these quotes from Contagious Disciple Making. Organizations that promote a particular brand of Christianity will have difficulty completing the Great Commission. Branded Christianity has been around for 1,600 years. And the best case numbers of those who call themselves Christians put us at 32% of the world's population. And we know that only about 20% of those who call themselves Christians ever participate in any kind of church on a regular basis. So using what we've been doing, branding our Christianity, inviting the lost to come, over 1,600 years, we have a following about 20% of the world's population. That's a long ways away from fulfilling the Great Commission. Back to the quotes. If we continue to try to fit lost people into our Christian culture, they will never come. Let that soak in. If we continue to try to fit lost people into our Christian culture, our brand of Christianity, they will never come. What seems so attractive to us is not attractive to others. The reality, back to quoting, the reality is that Christianity does not have a good name in most of the world. Boy, let that sink in. 
The reality is that Christianity does not have a good name in most of the world. We, we the followers of Jesus, we have made Christ like us, which is the vilest form of idolatry, instead of becoming like Christ. Whew. Thousands of lost people struggling with aloneness, insecurity, fear within our reach but outside our front door. Christianity, as we have branded it, does not have a good name in our community with lost people. The people who need the community of Christ Jesus the most are not turning to the church because the church has given itself a bad name. We are our own worst enemy. We have done damage to ourselves. We have put a bad name on Christianity. So what are we going to do? Well, I would suggest, first of all, that we have got to let the truth of these quotations that I'm sharing with us penetrate our hearts and minds. We, the church are responsible for our own bad reputation. The problem is not with others. It is us. We have not obeyed the words of our master. The Great Commission has truly become our great omission. Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age as long as you're doing what I'm asking you to do. The main command of the Great Commission is make disciples. Everything else is connected to that. As you're going, make disciples. As you make disciples, baptizing, teaching, make disciples. We're falling short of that. That is not happening. So let's be honest. We're going to have to start from scratch. So let's be honest. Let's accept the truth of the situation that we find ourselves in, as painful as it is. And then second, let me suggest, and this may be harder than the first, we have to set aside our church culture and get back to a transcultural gospel message. Again, let these quotes guide our thoughts. The disciple maker's job is to present the gospel as honestly and aculturally as possible. Identifying our personal cultures, including our religious and nationalistic traditions, and keeping them from penetrating new work is the biggest hurdle we face. Our Christian culture can have an extremely negative impact on disciple-making. Anyone that's ever been involved in cross-cultural ministry will understand exactly what those quotes are saying. Too much 
of our history in Christian mission has not been just to share the good news of Jesus, but also to westernize, civilize, Christianize the heathen we're working with. We've seen the damage of that sort of mission with our own eyes on our trips to Rwanda and Palestine. Now, thankfully, that methodology in cross-cultural ministry has improved. It's not what it used to be. I'd, I'd give an example for 15 years we've been involved with the Lavinias in Chile. And, and our goal was never to create a Texas vineyard church in Chile. Now, we intentionally stripped away our Texas cultural preferences. And when we did that, we saw the beauty of the gospel blossom in Chilean culture. Now, as a side note, as I let go of my Texas culture, I was able to receive from the warmth and the beauty of the Chilean culture. And I've got to tell you, my life in Jesus has been transformed not just by Jesus, but also by Jesus through my Chilean family. If I started giving specific examples, we would run out of time. One of our greatest challenges today is accepting that we are cross-cultural missionaries, not just in Chile, not in Rwanda only, but in our own nation. Let me say that again. One of our greatest challenges today is accepting that we are cross-cultural missionaries in our own nation. The cultural consensus of the United States is no longer a Judeo-Christian consensus. We're living in a secular culture. And I don't know how to say this, but I, I, we have got to stop fighting this reality and accept what it is for what it is. We have lost the cultural war. The consensus has changed. And if we're going to share the good news of Jesus with people around us that are lost more than ever, we have got to identify the, the religious and nationalistic traditions that we, that we place around the gospel. We've got to set those aside so that we can begin to make disciples in our generation. We must go through the hard process of becoming less religious and more spiritual. Again, consider these thoughts. The less religious I am and the more spiritual I am, the more effective I become as a disciple maker. Religion is about how we do church. Spirituality is about how we live out our relationship with God and people in such a way that we, our families, our communities are transformed. We want to see our religion set aside and we want to mature in our spirituality. We must be transformed before transformation can come to the thousands of people around us. And finally, the last suggestion for the morning is, in many ways, we just need to get back 
to the simplicity of following Jesus. We need to learn from him how to make disciples in our day like he did in his time on the earth. So I want us to take a peek at Jesus making disciples in Matthew 4, 18 to 22. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, follow me. Immediately they left the boat and their father. They followed Jesus. Now, as you read that, this is, this is not Jesus' first stroll along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. We do not know how often he walked along the sea, but we do know from the tense of the verb that it was a regular, repeated activity of Jesus. We also know that Jesus walked along the shoreline uh, and saw James and John and Peter and, and Andrew because they were fishermen that came ashore. So this isn't the first time that he saw them. But this time, he sees these, these men mending their nets after a night of fishing. Uh, and then there might be a little bit of irony between James and John mending their nets and Peter and Andrew still casting their nets. I mean, it makes me wonder... Had James and John had a super successful night of fishing, so much so that they were mending their nets that were in need of repair from the load of fish that they brought in. And had Peter and James had a miserable night of fishing without a catch. So as they're, as they're drifting to shore, they're still casting their nets in hopes of catching a fish. I don't know. It just makes you wonder. Jesus would have greeted these four before, but on this particular morning, these four fishermen who had probably heard of Jesus from the gossip, the, just the gossip around the town of Capernaum about who he is and what he said in Nazareth, they probably were sizing him up. They were intrigued, I think, probably by who he was. But this morning was unusual because Jesus invited them to follow him. Follow me and I will make you disciples. Jesus used words that spoke to their real life situation. Follow me. I will make you fish for people. Now, what would that invitation sound like to Peter and Andrew who just spent the night fishing for fish without success? What would that, that invitation sound like to James and John who sat in the middle of their torn nets mending after a previous night of great fishing? How did these two sets of brothers respond to Jesus' invitation? What did it cost them to obey Jesus' call?
What can we learn from Jesus about disciple making? It's real simple. Take a regular walk in your neighborhood, in the city park, along Main Street, in a favorite restaurant, or through an office building, or across the school campus. Be as regular as you can in time and route. And notice the people you see on your regular stroll. And begin to ask the Holy Spirit to identify potential disciples who you can invite to follow you as you follow Jesus. You're not inviting strangers. You're inviting people that you've said hello to, that you've connected with in some way as you're walking through life. Disciple making begins with an invitation to potential disciples. We all can begin to do that. But we need the Holy Spirit to help us. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. We, we welcome your ministry among us. Help us to accept the, the current state of affairs. To accept changes in our culture around us. To accept the inability of our branded Christianity to reach our neighbors who are in need of Jesus. Holy Spirit, transform us. Strip away our religious outer coating and begin to mature us with spirituality. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see the potential disciples who are near us right now in our daily routines. Holy Spirit, give each of us in this community two disciples this year who say yes to our invitation to follow. Help us, Holy Spirit, to make disciples in loving obedience to the Great Commission from Jesus. Amen. We'll say more about disciple-making and small groups next week. Thanks for our time and exploring that this morning.